what I was saying is I'm super emotional this morning. <laughs> so I might cry, but um, I might not. Uh, one of the things that we're going to talk about a little bit is testimony. So before I jump in to our story, I just wanted to ask, um, you know, just to share with your neighbor, um, you don't have to share with the group, but when, um, what does testimony mean? And uh, when have you had to give your testimony? Just for a couple minutes. Welcome back. Um, there's a lot to say when we talk about testimony. Um, and this morning, uh, we're going to, I'd love to hear what everyone said. And um, keep having the conversations that you just started having. Um, don't, don't let them end. Share with, us, share with somebody else later today what you said. Um, and finish conversations if you need to. Good to know. We don't talk about it too much, and it's a little tricky. So um, we're going to listen to some folks read Peter's testimony. <laughs> I didn't have any slides this morning, and so Jason made one for me. This is, this is from, the God, from the Acts of the Apostles, um, written by Luke. It's, it's from Acts 11, 1 through 18. It's our passage for the morning. So if the readers want to um, go to the mics maybe and read, that'd be great. The apostles and the brothers and sisters throughout Judea heard, and e heard that even the Gentiles had welcomed God's word. When Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him. They accused him. He went into the home of the uncircumcised. Oh, Jesus, be with us. Try that again. He went into the home of the uncircumcised and ate with them. Step by step, Peter explained what had happened. When I was in the city of Joppa praying, when I had a visionary experience, in my vision I saw something like a large linen sheet being lowered from heaven by its four corners. It came all the way down to me. As I stared at it, I wondered what it was. I saw four-legged animals, including wild beasts, as well as reptiles and wild birds. I heard a voice say, Get up, Peter. Kill and eat. I responded, Absolutely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice from heaven spoke a second time. Never consider unclean what God has made pure. This happened three times, then everything was pulled back into heaven. At that moment, three men who had been sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were staying. The Spirit told me to go with them, even though they were Gentiles. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He reported to us how he had seen an angel standing in his house and saying, Send to Joppa and summon Simon, who is known as Peter. He will tell you how, to, how you and your entire household can be saved. When I began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell on them, just as the Spirit fell on us in the beginning, and I remembered the Lord's words. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. If God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, then who am I? Could I stand in God's word? <sighs> Once the apostles and other believers heard this, they calmed down. They praised God and concluded, 
So then God has enabled Gentiles to change their hearts and lives so that they might have a new life. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. We'll go over that again in case you didn't hear. <laughs> um, and the word for this morning is an interesting one. It's kind of like you're all thinking, wait, didn't, didn't somebody preach on this a couple weeks ago? <laughs> why, why are we hearing this story again? And I think maybe if you've read the whole story of Acts, you might think, why is he telling this story again? But I think what he's telling is a little bit of a different story. Um, he's telling the story of Peter telling his story and what that means, not just for the people then, but for us today. So from the very beginning, what do we learn? The apostles and the brothers and sisters throughout Judea heard that even the Gentiles had welcomed God's word. Even the Gentiles had welcomed the word of God. So here we are, most of us, I think, anyway, <laughs> a group of Gentiles. Um, I don't know if anybody's done 23andMe, <laughs> um, but we're, we're a group of mostly, I think, non-Jewish people. Um, myself excluded, maybe one or two of us, um, being reminded of God's love for us, everyone, everywhere. Even the filthy and the unchosen. We learn that it is possible for Gentiles to be able to welcome the word of God, which we maybe know, <laughs> but they didn't know. It is possible for Gentiles to change their hearts and lives so that they might have new life. But of course, we know this. We are Gentiles who have found ourselves accepting the word of God. We have just under 2,000 years of distance from this story, so maybe it feels more normal. A lot has happened since then. This is a story about God doing something so new that it can barely be believed. And it invites us to remember that God is not done, and God is still making unbelievable things happen, and God is making things new even today, that can barely be believed. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him. They accused him, saying, you went into the home of the uncircumcised and you ate with them? What else do we learn? <laughs> can you turn me down a little? I feel like I'm too loud for me. Is it okay? Okay. <laughs> that the Jews... The circumcised aren't really concerned with the Gentiles welcoming the word of God is not usually what we pay attention to. We pay attention to the fact that the Gentiles did it. That's the whole first part of the story. Rather, they were really concerned with Peter following the rules or not following the rules. He was gone, and before he came back, they were gossiping about the work that he had done. They've worried about what he was doing while he was away, and they have spun the yarn and created their own idea of what they think has happened while he was away. The story's starting off great, right? Sure, the Gentiles accepted the word of God, but hold on. Peter spent some time with them, and he ate with them, and he's dirty now. He's going to make us dirty. We know how this goes, especially today. I mean, I kept reading this thinking... <laughs> These people don't have like telegraph machines. You know, they don't have Instagram, they don't have Twitter. How do they find out? He's like far away, he's not close. Um, 
But he's gone and he's not there. And before Peter returns, the people are already talking about what happened. Um, He finds himself returning home excited about something that God has done, and rather the people are concerned that he's done something wrong. So he comes back having to share a story that he wasn't expecting. They are worried about his actions and that his actions will negatively reflect on them. We don't want to be connected to him anymore. Maybe God won't see us anymore and God won't save us like we thought. So Peter, who had been close to God, comes back to a people who worry that they might not be able to be close to God again in the way that they had been because the nation of Israel were the people who God had come close to. And we know that in hindsight. (laughs) But this is gossip. It sucks. It totally sucks. Peter returns home with a great experience, having been talked about. He's vulnerable. He's probably feeling hurt. He might be feeling pain. But he's feeling untrusted. So this is a story about trust. Um, Although we've already heard the story, Luke gives us an opportunity to hear it. One of the first testimonies about the good news of Jesus, not just to the Jews, but to the whole world. Luke gives us an opportunity to hear it, as they say, from the horse's mouth, straight from Peter. But it's hard. His testimony is his own personal expression of how he witnessed the amazing and unique an unbelievable work of God in his own experience. His testimony is hard, and we know it's hard. We can barely testify ourselves sometimes. We might not be believed. We might not be heard. We might say the wrong thing. There's always a risk, and there's always an opportunity for someone to misunderstand or not believe you. Peter may not be believed, but he does it anyway. We have to really trust that God is going to be with us. And Peter is a wonderful example of this when he chooses to share, even though he's in this very vulnerable place. He looks weak. He looks like he's made mistakes. He might be dirty. He might have done something wrong. He's being required to give an account for his actions. And these people, even the people who followed Jesus and watched everything he did, are having a difficult time trusting that this could be the next miracle that they're hearing about. So then step by step, Peter explained what had happened. You've already heard this. I was praying in the city of Joppa. I had a vision. My vision was a large linen sheet. He's, he's talking about this vision. I mean, when was the last time you had a friend or a leader in your community say, I had a vision, and you trusted them implicitly, without judgment, without reservation, without doubt? This is so hard. It's so hard. I mean, perhaps the world back then was more used to stories like this. I don't know. Um, Maybe more magical stories. But Peter's not just trying to get people entertained. He's telling the truth here, and he is on trial in front of his people trying to explain why he shared some of their most special secrets with the enemy and then shared intimate time and space with them, making himself dirty and defiling himself before coming home. So his hope is that the people will hear him. He's got to prove to this people that God is not choosing for him to be dirty, but has brought, it hasn't brought them separation from God, but rather it's the opposite. 
It's something totally new, something completely unbelievable. And I'm going to keep saying that because it is. <laughs> but that God is now choosing to be with all people. And that cleanliness is not God's first goal. The voice from heaven spoke a second time to Peter. Never consider unclean what God has made pure. And then it says this happened three times. So I'm like thinking about Peter, who's like just always saying no, you know, when Jesus is like, love me, Peter. And Peter says, you know I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. Love me, Peter. And then Peter says, you know I love you. Duh. Like Peter's like, duh. I get it. Three times. This always happens to this guy. Every time. <laughs> but he's giving us full permission to engage deeply in conversation with the God who's the creator of the universe. He's giving us permission even to disagree with God and listen to what God says. God is telling Peter that God is the one who makes things clean and pure, not human action. God is telling Peter that those things which he previously thought were unclean, God has made pure. It's the blanket with the wild things <laughs> that you're not supposed to eat. Then everything was pulled back into heaven and some people came to Peter, like instantly, and said, hey, you got to come with us. Got to go see this guy. And the Spirit told Peter to go, even though they were Gentiles. And then he says, these six brothers, which is like not a part of the first story, these six brothers came with me, even into the man's house. So Peter is deeply seeking guidance from God. He's listening to the Spirit and doing what the Spirit says, even though this is totally uncharted territory. He has never been in a situation quite like this one before. He's bringing other people with him, too, which is dangerous and scary and really risky. Who knows who these people are? They're not named. Maybe they're new converts. Maybe they've been, maybe they were disciples. We, we don't know who they were. But Peter brings them with him, and um, they all eat with the Gentiles, and they all spend time with them, and they all pray with them, and they all tell them who God is, and how to be close to God, and how to be saved. But this is a scandalous message. These people who they're returning to are suspicious. They're afraid, and they don't understand. What good can come from a Gentile conversion? <laughs> We could all talk about that probably for a long time in different ways. But what if they cannot be cleansed from this kind of contamination that we've spent our entire lives learning about? That's what the Jews are wondering. We spent our entire lives learning how to be clean, how to do the right thing, and now all of a sudden, God is saying, there's a new way. I've done something different. I'm making these things clean. You don't have to anymore. Even Jesus, and this one's hard for me. I remember Robin telling this story when we were going through Mark. Even Jesus disregards the Syrophoenician woman, a Gentile. He calls her a dog. And yet, what we now know in hindsight is that because of the conversation they have when he spends time with her, she reminds Jesus of the deep truth of the gospel, that even, these, even though she is technically unclean, she is someone who he might even share the crumbs of his ministry with. So Peter goes on, telling the story of the Gentile, this man, who reported to Peter how he had seen an angel 
standing in his house, saying, Send to Joppa and summon Simon, who is known as Peter, and he will tell you how you and your household, your entire household, can be saved. And this is where it gets even dirtier. A Gentile sees an angel. We don't know that that's, that's not okay, right? <laughs> Angels don't come close to people who aren't the people of Israel. This is like, this is just getting bigger and bigger and worse. So Peter's telling his story, and he's like, this is great. And they're like, this is not okay. <laughs> just reframing it for us here. Um, Gentiles, in their collective memory, don't get this gift. They don't have the luxury um, the, the Jews who are hearing this story don't, like us, have the luxury of reading the full account. They don't know that Herod's wife saw a Gentile. They don't have the Gospels written down for them to read. We do, so we see this bigger picture. But they didn't have that. In their collective memory, um, and even for Peter, the location of God was in and through the history, religion, practices, and the story of the people of Israel. And that's something we need to remember when we tell this story today. And of course, this is, it gets tricky. Israel means so many things today, not just what it meant 2,000 years ago. But those folks also don't know that story. <laughs> they don't know what Israel means today. They know what it meant then, and they know that it meant that we were the people who God comes close to and that they were chosen and special. So these people um, are terrified because they don't know how the story is going to end up after this. With Peter coming back, defiling them, making them dirty, it takes a long time to get clean after something like this. They don't know. They don't know what's coming next. So they're scared. They're also terrified that perhaps they who were once the people of God who God came close to, would no longer have that. They're in the middle of this really scary place. Being in the middle is scary. Being in the middle is hard. They don't know maybe the story of the Syrophoenician woman or of Philip having offered baptism to an Ethiopian eunuch. They don't know. I mean, Philip just disappeared. It could have all been happening at the same time. We don't know those details. But we just know that the Spirit is working and that things are changing. They are here listening to Peter's story, a not-so-comforting story, <laughs> about a person opening himself up to contamination, about God saying that things that are dirty, the people whom they've spent their entire lives trying to be different, from, that they can be made pure and clean. And then Peter opening himself up and them to contamination by eating their food, drinking with them, spending a long period of time with them. But Jesus said that he was making all things new. But they could not imagine that even the story of God's people would change. They could not imagine that something that was once so dirty and that even proximity to it could make them unclean, that that could be made pure and saved, just like them. These people, the circumcised Jews, were changed when the Holy Spirit fell on them, and they knew in that moment 
with all the languages and the voices that their lives had been changed forever, but they did not know that this was how their lives would be changed. So Peter keeps going, then I began to speak, and the Holy Spirit fell again. And they've just got to believe this because they trust Peter. When the Spirit gets involved, we do not get to decide how things are going to go. The circumcised people who'd spent their whole lives engaging in the right practices, because that was what God would said would keep, to keep them righteous and holy and clean. That's what God said to do. They are just, their ideas are squashed in this moment. Their whole lives turned upside down. Because this freak Jesus came, and he's just opening everything up. <laughs> what? Jesus' life, his actions, his death, and his resurrection caused a rupture in everything. But this rupture isn't a rupture that separates. It's a rupture that opens up. And that's what's hard to remember. Sometimes we can only think of ruptures as things that break things apart. But God said, I'm breaking this open, and it's always going to be open. It's open even to the people on the farthest edges who you could never, ever, ever imagine being close to me. So then the apostles and the other believers heard this, and they calmed down. I don't know if they were just crying. <laughs> they were angry, and that's why they calmed down. But it says they calmed down, and they praised God and concluded. So then God has enabled the Gentiles to change their hearts and lives so that they might have new life. Amen. <laughs> it's so confusing. While Peter was gone, the telling of the story that Jesus did, the telling of, Peter's gone telling the story of Jesus. He's telling the good news to these people who he never thought he would be telling the good news to. And everybody back at home thinks he's done the wrong thing. They think he's crazy. But unfortunately, the spirit isn't on Instagram or Twitter to be like, hey guys, just FYI, this is what I'm doing. This is why I'm doing it. This is what's happening. Maybe if, maybe if she was, they'd all feel better about what was happening. Um, but maybe not. Maybe it's hard to trust. I think we know that God speaks in the writings that have been collected and chosen over the last few thousand years and called scripture. And even this needs work to be understood. It's confusing sometimes. God speaks in ways that are not always immediately understandable to us. This story reminds us that God also speaks to people, God speaks to groups, God speaks through angels, God speaks in dreams, God speaks in ways that are scary. And we have to listen to each other to know when God is speaking. This is scary because a lot of us, a lot of us are here <laughs> because we've experienced abuse or misuse of scripture and experience and stories about what God is doing. And it can be scary. The word of the Lord or a word from God, hearing from the Holy Spirit, these are not things to be taken lightly. And I think that's what the people are recognizing. This is what we get to hear today. It's not to be taken lightly. It's important to ask questions. It's important to tell testimonies. It's important to listen and to keep talking 
This is why we practice sacred listening, why we practice praying, listening to scripture with our hearts open and our minds open. We do it together. We ask questions. We take time to listen. We change our actions. We ask more questions. We listen more. Sometimes we engage in sacred seeing or listening where we see the same thing or hear the same thing. This is a miracle. <laughs> it's not just normal. This is something God is doing. When you see the same thing as someone else, that is something that's important to listen to and to mention and to name. We know that as we change, I don't know if this is the same for you guys. For me, as I change, the wiser I get and the more mature I get, the different, I listen to scripture so differently. Scripture, I hear more wisdom from it and more maturity from it, more joy and more compassion. Um, though the world is changing around us, we have to remember and we get to remember in the same way that it was 2,000 years ago that God's spirit is still working. Amen? Amen. She's not done. She's not done with us. She's not done with Israel. She's not done with all the people on the farthest ends and the edges, the people who are dirty, who make us dirty, the people who are unclean, who make us look unclean, the people who make us look bad, the people who embarrass us. <laughs> the Spirit's not done with us, all of us. She was behind us, hovering over the waters of creation, using her imagination, full of love and hope for what humanity could be, for what all of God's people could be. God is here with us in this middle place where we know what came before us, but we have no idea what's in the future. Maybe it's a future we worry about and have very little control over. When we find ourselves in these shaky places, when the rules that we thought were right are changing, maybe because they have to, or when the ground feels unstable under our feet, we get to remember that the ground that we are on is the ground that God has given us, the ground that God has created, not the ground that we have made for ourselves. We must remember that the ground that we are on is God's ground, that it is holy ground. As we continue to share testimonies, even though they change, my testimony has changed a lot over the years, <laughs> The way I tell it has changed. Um, we continue to do so because Jesus has changed us and because Jesus is active in the world. Um, and we do so because I think Jesus has given us the crumbs of his ministry. And it's like I, th I was thinking of the parable of the mustard seed, this idea that something so tiny grows into such a big thing. So as a Gentile church, even though maybe all we were given was the crumbs of God's ministry, we've done so much with it. And this table reminds us of that. So since the kids aren't back yet, <laughs> we can talk a little bit about what testimony is. Um, I think our offerings, we, we, for those of you who are visiting or newer, we don't have offerings where we pass a plate around. Our offerings are time of sharing stories where we try really hard to offer what God has done, offer a story of testimony. It's hard to find people willing to share, so if you're willing, maybe a little more after this, <laughs> this story, we'd love to hear your story about what God is doing, about how you express 
what God is doing in your life. It doesn't have to be outrageous. It could be because people are mad at you. I don't know. That's what Peter did. <laughs> um, I think stories of healing, stories of pain, stories of reconciliation, of grief, death, stories of joy, stories when someone was kind to you and they didn't need to be, stories when you found yourself being kind to someone and surprised about why you were being kind. Where did that come from, you might wonder. Maybe it came from God. When we talk about or think deeply about why we're doing things and what we're doing, I think that's time of testimony. When we spend time talking about God and when we get baptized, it's a time of testimony. We get to talk about our baptisms. How many of you in here have been baptized? So when you tell somebody about your baptism, even if you were a baby and you don't remember it, that's a testimony. And when you talk about how you were eight years old and you were in a church just like this one and it was cold and you didn't want to go in the water, but you went in the water anyway, that's a story of testimony. Welcome back. And so as we experience the beginning of some people's stories, remember your own baptism this morning as a testimony of the miracle of God being revealed to the Gentiles, of God saving people who were dirty, saving people who were not chosen, and God rupturing the system that says there are some people who are chosen and some people who aren't.